Dan here with an announcement before our new episode hits your ears. Welcome Josh Hansen and Jonathan Hogberg to the Back Row Cineblog Patreon account. They are our latest members. Thank you for your support. You are truly helping us continue to create this podcast and keep the lights on and all of those great things. And don't forget to go to patreon.com forward slash back row cineblog and donate today to get early episodes a week early at least bonus episodes and content every month as well as the opportunity to get a swag bag at the end of the year. That is patreon.com forward slash back row cineblog and on with the show. Hello this is notes from the back row. A podcast like no other. Different themes, rotating hosts, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Hello and welcome to another episode of Notes from the Back Row, a movie podcast that is like a magazine subscription for your podcatcher. If this is your first time listening, you can expect episodes in your feed featuring roundtable discussions, uh, director interviews, reviews, and more. And you can find everything about us online at back-row.com and Back Row Cineblog on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Today, as always, I am joined by Carlo. Heyo. Yeah, Carlo for an episode of Hoser Horror. Hell yeah. As we continue our delve into Can Exploitation double features, today is a really exciting episode. We have a guest. We are joined on the podcast today by one of the co hosts of the Movie Melt podcast on the Compañeros Podcast Network. Woo! All right. And the brains behind Black Widow, a VHS label. That's right. Please welcome to the show. Hello, it's Shay. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're excited. Before we get into our double feature of Canadian horror films, are you a fan of Canadian horror movies in general? Oh, yes. Big time. When you invited me on the show, I squealed. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Canuxploitation yes. is one of my favorite subgenres. And <laughs> I grew up in Alaska and was born in Minnesota. So I feel like an honorary Canadian, basically, yeah. already. <laughs> and there's just something about Canadian horror films that speak to my inner child. Maybe it was growing up in the 80s and watching tons of movies on VHS seeing a lot of the American influence in these movies, it feels like Canadian horror films are like American, but slightly off. <laughs> There's just yeah. something a little more like you hear the a boat or <laughs> someone says grade one instead of first grade. Or <laughs> Like I've never even road. thought about that. <laughs> yeah, there's all these little, little, little touches that speak to me. So, I'm a big fan. Awesome. Do you have any favorites that aren't the ones we're talking about today that you would say like, you know, I fell in love with Canadian horror movies because I saw this one? Or yeah, definitely the films of Bob Clark, and I mean those are kind of a no-brainer. Hmm. Uh, Cronenberg, and in particular John Fasano. 
Nice. Oh yeah, we did an episode on um, on the Thor movies, but we might That's, do another one on the John Fasano movies that we haven't covered yet. That would be incredible. So what's your favorite Fasano? Oh, that's a hard one. The first one I ever really recognized as a Thor film and a Fasano film was Zombie Nightmare. But I also really like Jitters. Oh, yeah. Okay. We, we need to cover that. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Mm. And Rock, rock and Roll Nightmare is... Oh, and Black Roses. They're all so good. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I can't choose. We got to do Jitters at some yeah, point. Yeah, we, we should like pair up Jitters and Black Roses. And then you yeah. can come back on the show and talk about... John Fasano yeah. somewhere. <laughs> oh, I'd love to. Do you want to mention anything about your VHS label? I absolutely would. I started a label. I launched my first tape about two weeks ago. And my focus is on regional horror films. And that's another reason I love Canadian filmmaking. It's very rooted in a sense of place. I mean, for the most part, even when it, Canadian horror films are not set in Canada, you can kind of feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking for particularly genre filmmaking, action films, horror films, anything unique that came from a specific time period and place in the States. I found some Chicago area films by a director named Scott Granke that are so specific to Chicago, but also specific to this person and his sense of humor. And I put out a film called Executioner, the musical. That sounds amazing. <laughs> which is, is exactly like it sounds. It's it's a gore film with five unique made-for-the-film songs. And it's hysterical. It existed on VHS and it disappeared. I came across a copy on eBay and thought this needs to be out in the world. And mm. <laughs> rather, rather than bootleg or... I decided to find the director and get his permission. Oh. So from there, I found other filmmakers, a few I can't announce yet, but I found a regional filmmaker from actually the Vancouver, Washington area near where I live, and another film from Spokane. So it's exciting, and I'm just now getting into it and getting my feet wet still, but it's been absolutely wonderful, and I continue. I plan to continue going as long as I can. That's amazing. Are there like any extras? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Scott had films that had never been released hmm. that he pulled out. The next I'm putting out is called Ram Boner. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Just take my money already. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Rambo spoof, and another filmmaker I'm working with is a professional animator. He worked for Leica. And he's he designed the the Tang lips from the old oh, Tang commercial. Yeah, yeah. And I'm very excited to work with him and put out his first film. Oh wow! But he has some animated extras that have also never been released that relate to his first film, and I'm going to be including those at the end of of the release for that movie. That's cool. Oh damn, that's so exciting. Thank you. So if anyone listening wants to find it, where do they go? They can go to my website. It's black double V. Idio, so black video, but with two V's, and it's a Squarespace account, so it's dot Squarespace dot com. Sweet, and you're on Instagram, right? I am on Instagram and the Facebooks. Awesome, all of them, all of the Facebooks. Cool, <laughs> absolutely. <Awesome. laughs> cool. So from there, let's get into our episode. If you're listening, you know already based on the title of the episode, we are talking about two films from director Paul Lynch. 
and we have covered Paul Lynch in the past. We did bullies on one of our episodes. The interesting thing about these movies and Paul Lynch is a lot like Bob Clark mentioned earlier. Paul Lynch is synonymous with Canadian horror films, even yeah, though absolutely. he's not technically Canadian. He was born in England, but he came to, to Canada in 1960. Like a lot of other directors that we've covered, he started in documentary filmmaking. He did a documentary on Penthouse magazine, ended up then moving into feature film and ended up making the hit film Prom Night, which everybody knows. Are you guys fans of Prom Night? I, yes, more or less. I think it's, (laughs) (laughs) it's not, it's not the greatest, but, but, but it is, it's up there for sure. It's, it's no Prom Night (laughs) 2. I love Prom Night (laughs) 2. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, Dan, have you by this point seen Prom Night 1 already? Or are you waiting t- until we do the episode on I, it? I've seen bits of it when I was younger, and I'm sure I rented it on VHS or something. But, you know, I my memories of it, I think I've mentioned on the show, is that I feel like it was kind of snoozy. I, I feel mm-hmm. like when I saw it, I was maybe hoping for some more gnarly action. Yeah, yeah. I so, th- probably by this point, you would appreciate it more, yeah. even though it's a little bit snoozy. Because, I don't know, if a movie has a has a good vibe, you yeah. can forgive some snooziness. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, I'm, mm. yeah. That theme song is such a burner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a Jamie Lee slasher classic, so yeah. y- you've got to see it eventually. Yeah. yeah. And Leslie Nielsen. Oh, yeah. <gasps> Leslie oh, Nielsen. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. what can't he do I know (laughs) yeah so I'm excited to watch prom night we'll do it again and and I'll finally sit down and watch it all the way through yeah it's it's been a while for me as well since I've seen it but I do also remember the snooziness and and the fact that I don't remember it super well also speaks for itself a little bit but I'm totally down for revisiting it so Much like Prom Night, a couple years later, I think two years later, Paul Lynch went back to the slasher well with our first film, 1982's Humongous. Mm -hmm. Humongous. Six people stranded, cornered, hunted. Because here on Dog Island, something evil has been growing for 30 years. loose, it's angry, and it's getting hungry. Humongous. God help us. Starring Janet Julian, David Wallace, Janet Baldwin, and more, as always, directed by Paul Lynch. The tagline is, it's loose, it's angry, and it's getting hungry. The synopsis for Humongous is, the monstrous offspring of a violent crime grows up in seclusion on a remote island where a boat full of hapless teens have shipwrecked, unaware of what's lurking in the woods. This has a budget of estimated around 2 million Canadian. It was released in Canada by Astral Films theatrically. It was theatrical in the States as well in June of 1982. And it was filmed in Ontario, Canada, Toronto, hometown for me, Mm -hmm. Sparrow Lake, Georgetown, some smaller Mm -hmm. um, Ontario places. So this is a movie that I had never seen before. Had either of you seen it? I had. I have not. It was first for me. Okay. All I remember was a lot of darkness. And 
and <laughs> and a mutant and a dog. Yeah. This this is a movie that in my mind is paired with uh I think I had mentioned this off mic to Carlo. There was a film called The Final Terror. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is a wonderful movie. I love that's, that that's movie. That's a great movie. Yeah. Isn't that Daryl Hannah's first movie? Yeah. One of them. Be, yeah, yeah. An early film, I think. It was uh released on VHS and growing up, people I know would always say it was bad and it was too dark and you couldn't mm-hmm. see anything and it was kind of a, a fault of the VHS itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Humongous had a similar thing with lots of people that I know. They would say, oh, I couldn't even see what was going on. I rented that movie. It was boring. And so I, I feel like both of those movies have gotten sort of reappraisals now that they have Blu-ray prints because you can actually mm-hmm. see that there's some some craft here and like, you oh, know, yeah. it, it's really well shot and, and it's dark, but in an atmospheric way, not in a I can't tell what's going on way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get the vibe as much as you get the visuals there. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, that's what comes up and. In- literally every review before i feel this um, restoration happened like mm-hmm. everyone just talks about the fact that you can't see anything in this movie and now you finally can so um i feel like my appraisal might have been different if i had seen the original too dark to see anything version and now finally be exposed to the way it's supposed to be seen mm-hmm. do you mean if you had seen it when it was like on vhs and that was all you had that you might have said it's bad yeah maybe i don't know i mean it's, it's hard to say like um people say that about final terror as well but the first time i saw final terror was in the restoration uh, rest, um, restored version but thinking about like more recent movies um have you ever seen like the second alien versus predator movie no it's actually that's just, canadian oh. It, oh is it is it canadian oh man no are you talking AVPR, the Requiem. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that one. Yeah, that's that's. I didn't know it was a Canadian movie. Maybe we have to cover it now. Well, I, I know it was shot here. Maybe maybe <laughs> it maybe it's not technically Canadian, but I know it was shot in Vancouver or something. Yeah, but that's another movie that has no excuse for being as dark as it is, and you can't see anything in that <laughs> damn movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these movies have excuses. They had just had bad transfers, so yeah. they had a bad rep as well. And uh, but they're better than that. Yeah. And it's also unfortunate. I feel like Humongous can't catch a break because the Blu-ray that came mm. out had a glitch in it, and there's like seven or eight minutes of this kind of echoey audio. Yeah, I read about yeah, that. Yeah, which sucks. But oh no. But yeah, Humongous can't catch a break. Um, but <laughs> I, you know, coming to this movie. Having never even seen it before, I didn't know too much what to expect. So I knew that when I turned this movie on that it was going to open with a pretty intense scene. I had known that in advance. That that's how the movie opened. I thought it was interesting. So I read a review. I think it was on Stacy Ponder's Final Girl blog. She had said that people were upset about the opening of this movie because it opens with a woman at this party who gets assaulted. And people were apparently upset that they shoot it from her point of view because okay. it made the people watching it uncomfortable. And I was kind of like, that's, that's what struck me? me about the scene. So yeah. I don't like why would you I don't find that as a complaint. That's like it, it was just interesting because we did bullies recently. And yeah. Paul Lynch also in that movie has a pretty horrific scene of assault and I was Mm -hmm. kind of thinking okay is this just something that Paul puts in all of his movies but I feel like in both he shoots them in a way where it's not um like voyeuristic it's see if it's it's more like he's trying to get at something yeah absolutely that's exactly what I took from that scene at first I couldn't figure out why I'm looking at the Mm -hmm. guy yeah (laughs) 
and, and but every motion he makes feels so uh, like just such a violation. Yeah. And I realize it's because I felt like her. I was seeing what she was seeing. And effectively, the audience is the victim in that situation. I've never seen that hmm. ever yeah. in a rape revenge movie. Usually you're seeing a completely different perspective. Totally. I think in um, Bullies, it's not shot like that. But I was reading one of the interviews that I pulled with him and he was talking about how his whole thing in the Bullies scene was that it had to be happening at this place in the house where there's this door that keeps slamming as it's happening and that he wanted like there's this like focus on the door Mm -hmm. where it's like that's what like somebody that this is happening to is focusing on and it's like like he's at least trying to do something and have it not be sleazy in a way that lots of movies like this get cross country on the other hand yeah we'll we'll get to cross country unfortunately Paul you dropped the ball (laughs) yeah but that kind of sets us up you know there's dogs on the island and uh, these dogs come and rip that dude to shreds which is that part was awesome oh it was so satisfying yeah. Yeah. yeah and i think it looked like there was some footage that maybe was restored for the blu-ray because w- when there were some close-up cuts on those dogs like ripping into his neck it looked noticeably grainier and i was like is this like restored footage i think so i watched a version on youtube i didn't remember uh the close-ups of the dogs ripping yeah up it's on like really gruesome on the blu-ray um mm-hmm. And and that scene is so impactful when those dogs come and murder that dude. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, and then we get some really uh, interesting opening credits. Very, oh, in yeah. a weird way, Canadian yeah, feeling. Very much. A little classy for this kind of movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of Bob Burns effect almost, yeah. Yeah, and then we get to the slasher stuff in terms of the teenagers. And this movie has some hilarious teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> What did you guys think of the stuff on the boat? Oh, the boat was unexpected. I didn't understand that that was their father's yacht until (laughs) later. I I just didn't know why they had the boat. But it makes total sense because those boys, I guess, teenager, Mm -hmm. young adult men, very waspy, that white Anglo-Saxon Protestant style kind of um, men. And... Of course, they have money and of course, they have the means to have a yacht. Uh And uh, but it started to feel a lot like anthropophagus. And I know I've seen that in other reviews of this film, but I didn't put it together until that moment. It it was an interesting turn because you feel everything go wrong on the ocean. Everything's kind of okay, And then there's that eerie scene with the dinghy and the shipwrecked or the lost fisherman what was his name Bert yeah Yeah, Bert yeah and then things feel a little peaceful for a moment and then they go (laughs) very very wrong yeah (laughs) they they like stop near the island and all of a sudden the one guy just freaks out and is like we gotta go (laughs) yeah Nick Nick and Eric I guess so Nick is the just garbage younger brother yeah (laughs) oh he sucks (laughs) he's so lame and he gets he gets into it with his brother and then sets the boat on fire yeah i felt like the sister was like the most uh you know level-headed of the group did you guys think that she would be the final girl a little bit yeah i did too she seemed the most level-headed i guess in the end and and it just makes sense 
I don't know, having seen so many slasher movies at this point. Yeah, so that sets us up to have them stumble upon the island where, you know, it's been said that there's these dogs that have been living there for all these years. But as we find out, it's actually not. It's the mutant son of the uh, character from the opening scene. Right. Spoiler alert for this entire movie. <laughs> yeah. <but> <laughs> what, what else are you going to talk about? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we could avoid the I know. spoiler, yeah, unfortunately. Exactly. <laughs> and I, something, a hallmark of slashers, of course, is the killer POV. And you start getting a taste of that killer POV in the forest, especially. And now that I think about it, even in that opening rape scene, it's a little bit of a killer POV in a very backwards way because you're seeing from the victim's perspective, but that victim also created in a way raised up this monster oh yeah it's it's like a little uh, mama Voorhees kind of situation oh so much friday the 13th part two oh yeah all over yeah. this oh exactly. my god <laughs> and and that's one of the best ones so uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah other than uh new blood right <laughs> <laughs> look i like all of them so i know <laughs> don't, don't, don't get at me with like friday 13 power rankings i like all of them i don't care <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was honestly when i was watching this movie i was thinking if that was maybe an intentional through line is this idea that the the movie opens with such a horrific act and the movie you know ends with somebody unrelated to that act but Mm -hmm. who has been basically broken by things that have happened because of that and i was wondering if maybe they're part of what this movie is trying to get at is like the shockwave effect of something so horrific that has like kind of come down the line and now all of her friends are dead and she's left on this island like totally broken i was wondering if like oh maybe that's what they're trying to get at here that's a really good point because you don't really see that you don't see that shockwave you feel it and you end up putting it together near the end of the film for sure. Yeah, it's kind of interesting as well. Like she took on the character of the mother for a little bit, like very Friday 13 part two. And uh, at the end, she's sort of like sitting there, like she's become her sort of, mm-hmm. I felt like. Oh yeah. Classic a- Amy Steele moment. Movie also reminded me a little bit of uh, American Gothic. Have you guys seen that movie? Yeah, totally. With uh, Yvonne yeah. DiCarlo and Rod yeah. Steger. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the movie I recommended to you specifically because you don't like it when, when adults dress up like kids? And I was like, well, you got to see this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, adult babies just absolutely <laughs> terrify me. So, and, and Dan, knowing this, was like, you should watch this just because it's a horror movie about adult babies, so it'll be pretty effective for you. <laughs> but that's a, that's a good movie, and and I definitely see this movie humongous. Like, we've kind of talked around the idea that it has a lot of other movies in it. Do you guys think that that's to the detriment of this movie or not? Hmm. I think that's just like slasher movies, and it's kind of unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's just like that slasher DNA is so specific and they're all like influenced by each other that they all also sort of start bleeding into each other yeah i definitely don't mind that as long as i'm like not watching five in a row if i watch like a marathon of slasher movies and the last one is humongous i will probably like that the least (laughs) But, but having left some time in between my last slasher movie uh i i definitely didn't mind that and i actually got a kick out of the knots to like 
I don't know if they're like very specific, if it, if they were meant to be knots, like the Friday 13th part 2 thing feels too specific not to be, but then there's the Anthropophagus stuff mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm not sure if like Paul Lynch will have seen Anthropophagus probably because he, he, he apparently like watch everything, uh, A movies, B movies, whatever. So maybe, but yeah, I, I definitely didn't mind that. I, I, I like that. I think this movie could really easily fall into obscurity without really looking at some of the choices that were made, which I think are pretty specific. There's definitely a twist with the final girl. Like I mentioned, I totally thought Carla was going to be the one and I don't want to give it away, but it's a little different than than you might think. And yeah, some of the stuff is out of the playbook. But there were moments that I found myself being genuinely pretty startled, like when she's rinsing her face in the ocean, the camera focuses on her face and how it changes. I was genuinely freaked out. But then there are other scenes where I could tell that I was supposed to be scared, but I just wasn't, it wasn't working on me. So yeah i think there's definitely some unique approaches in this movie but it but it is uh yeah it's hard to say what came first here which slasher (laughs) came where like you know that he probably watched halloween yeah yeah i mean (laughs) yeah absolutely but as far as something like friday the 13th part 2 which i think came out the same year if not the year before i think maybe yeah the year right before maybe wasn't humongous like filmed in 81 even it was actually yeah it was released in 82 but made in 81 so it would have had to have been like a just happening at the same time kind of thing Mm -hmm. i think for me with paul lynch the movies that i've seen so far i can kind of understand why as kind of a craftsman he, he gets overlooked a little bit because all of his movies have moments where they really really shine and are often surrounded by sort of the trappings of the genre that his movie exists in so in this movie there's some really cool shooting and some really cool editing that scene where one of the murder scenes cuts like in that Hitchcockian way to like them finding the dead phone line and he's like it's oh, dead yeah, that was oh a good one. that match cut was brilliant yeah, yeah. it's yeah. so good but then there's other stuff in the movie that's edited a little bit clunky and you're kind of like I, I feel like from a stylistic perspective he's he's often so close to being there fully and I found mm-hmm. that a little bit with the movie we'll talk about later but there's always stuff throughout that I'm going oh that was awesome you know yeah definitely. yeah it's true it's yeah. true it he definitely has this sense of like being a workman like 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 a blue collar level compared to other people who are maybe a little bit more creative in the, in the things they did but yeah mm-hmm. there's definitely parts that he does really really well and then there's also he's like, got those those moments that transcend that absolutely yeah something i felt a lot watching this movie too and I guess this ties into the whole family dynamic but I felt like I was watching a Canadian equivalent of something like an early Toby Hooper movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or even Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes where there is this mutant family member running amok in the hills and terrorizing people those movies were super early in their careers and they were working with what they had and a lot of the Mm -hmm. magic happened in post with the editing yeah. and I, I get the feeling that the editing in this film was very intentional and mm-hmm. I think really effective. Like that match cut you mentioned yeah. before, Dan, was so brilliant. I, I rewound it a few times and <laughs> needed to, to see it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and it and it's a bummer because in the interview I pulled with Paul Lynch, it, he made it sound like Humongous um, didn't really get a fair shot. There was some company changeover stuff happening, and the new people that came in didn't like it, and they didn't really give it a fair shot in terms of the theatrical. So there was some stuff that he was talking about about you know when a movie opens at a certain amount of of theaters and makes a certain amount of money when it drops. Um, you know, in, in its earnings, you can kind of tell if it was the movie or if it was the opening, but it didn't even get a shot to figure out if, you know, audiences liked it or not. It just didn't open very big because mm-hmm. the company didn't stand behind it, which really sucks because it's it's like a worthy entry into Canadian slashers for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's another one of these movies that I feel like when I was watching it, I was kind of enjoying it just on its sort of slasher vibes, but the more I thought about it later, the more I was kind of like, hey, there is something going on here. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen like what Paul Lynch has been up to fairly recently, but in two, yeah, okay, so here's the thing. You know, like how all these like exploitation y directors end up doing, like, like Fred Olin Ray and Jim Minorsky, they end up doing like either dog movies or Christmas movies. <laughs> Hallmark Channel. <laughs> Even Bob Clark did Karate Dog. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I need to see Karate Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, Paul Lynch as well. He, he also succumbed to the call of Christmas movies. <gasps> and yeah, in, t- in 2014, a couple of years ago, he did a movie called The Christmas Switch, uh, which oh. uh, stars, uh, I think, Dan, did you, didn't you tell me that Nos- Natasha Henstridge is like a far off cousin of yours? Yeah, second cousin once removed or something there, yeah there you go she's she's in that movie she's in a paul lynch movie <laughs> yeah interesting oh no switch. way <laughs> yeah that's so funny thought that was kind of funny yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right paul lynch <laughs> oh my gosh uh, something i just remembered when watching humongous was so much of slasher in general but also of horror is is easily tied to frankenstein and the scene at the end when he gets freaked out by the fire all i could think was fire bad and (laughs) and i just i'll try to tie anything i possibly can to frankenstein and there it is (laughs) did you guys like the monsters makeup and stuff yeah i mean the whole movie we spend not really getting any glimpses it's very quick Mm -hmm. um and then Mm -hmm. they do eventually show some of that sort of full makeup um after that fire and stuff it 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 looks it looks kind of shitty but (laughs) i liked it (laughs) yeah um it looked like a like really rotten food yeah. yeah absolutely like like a big, I don't know, deformed California raisin type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it also reminded me of this um, this E.T., Turkish E.T. ripoff called Komoti. <laughs> you know that movie? Yeah. <laughs> Just a big old bloated E.T. face. Uh, uh-huh. Kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, I mean, I was initially a little bit disappointed because the the cover to this movie is so amazing and it was a little it didn't totally remind me of that but then I was kind of like I like it I, I could have taken it or left it I was happy just to finally see his face because up until this point it was like Jaws with uh, no shark but when you finally uh, see the shark it's it's pretty badass shark this just, he just mm. it looked like I was kind of wondering if this was if, if it was dark on purpose for a while there yeah to hide hide his lack of good makeup it's pretty yeah after the burnt it's pretty just like what yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so I think we're all kind of in a similar area about Humongous. Do we have any final thoughts on the movie? Um, <laughs> don't have any final thoughts really, but I was I wanted to find like the very specific place that they filmed this movie. And you mentioned yeah. it before like a little bit but then yeah. i went digging in, in into some i i don't remember if it's an it's probably an imdb review and then there was one guy who reviewed it who apparently was there while they shot it and he talks about like yeah i was at the canadian resort while they were filming this movie and he talks a little bit about this place called a, a, a pines resort he calls it in del monte and just like talking about like being nine years old and seeing the Dobermans and, and the actor who played the, the humongous guy uh, who was surprisingly tall, but also very nice. <laughs> but yeah, apparently that place uh, is just called like Del Monte in the Pines in Kilworthy, Ontario. And you can just book that place on TripAdvisor if you want. And oh. you can stay there. Oh. So if you want to do like a humongous movie trip, <laughs> we can all just go to Del Monte in the Pines and, and look for some, I don't know, dog skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make some room in my schedule for that. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, speaking of dogs, that's something that I never really felt like I got enough of in Anthro... I'm sorry, geez, in this movie. <laughs> I guess uh, it really <laughs> uh, humongous, humongous. I wanted more dog chases. Mm. They really yeah. build it up, though. Like they keep talking about the dogs and like the the island of dogs, and mm-hmm. but in the end, the dogs are already gone. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe give us a prequel, a prequel or something. <laughs> I, it started to feel like Castle Freak because I realized that he's eating mm. the dogs, and Castle Freak, yeah. I remember, eats a cat, and oh, yeah. there's kind of that vibe going on, which I I thought that was entertaining. I would watch Humongous a third time. Maybe, maybe not, not this year, but <laughs> yeah, leave some time, maybe. But yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to revisiting. And yeah, if uh, I ever make it out to Del Monte in the Pines, I will rewatch <laughs> Humongous there. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Speaking of the dogs, imagine if you saw this movie in Sweden where it was released as Dog Island, and you were like, "Where's all the dogs? <laughs> <laughs> when are we right? getting to the dog factory?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dog island like singular yeah. or plural dog <laughs> island <laughs> we're allowed one dog yeah humongous is the yeah. dog <laughs> no he's a dog all right uh-huh. no, no, uh, offense, what I, no, no offense buddy <laughs> one other thing i really liked wanted to mention is when she finds blueberries in the woods and stuffs them in her shirt and then feeds the injured fisherman blueberries from her cleavage i read somewhere that it was that was her idea to, to carry it that way. The the actress she like okay. improv that like I'll put them in my shirt. Oh, well it was it was brilliant. <laughs> um, okay, well then from Humongous from 1982, let's go to 1982 as well and talk about cross country. It's a trip that begins with a murder. Her name was Judith Kuhn. She was a receptionist at Grayson Burns Advertising. And I swear to God, I didn't I didn't kill her. Cross country, the most dangerous trip you can take. I'm going your way. You know, you're crazy. One is a killer. This is my friend, John. And one, the next victim. Stop the car. It's all right, Evan. Everything's okay. I said stop the car. I can establish motive. I can put you at the murder site. I can nail you. This whole thing, some sort of a game. Passion, driven to its ultimate climax. Cross country. 
starring Richard Bamer, Nina Axelrod, Michael Ironside, and more, also directed by Paul Lynch. Tagline to this film is passion driven to its ultimate climax, murder. Synopsis is after a woman is found butchered in her New York apartment, suspicion falls on her estranged husband, an ad executive who has left town on a cross-country road trip. He takes along a beautiful girl he met in a bar and a drifter he picked up along the way. A cop sets out after the husband, but he's more interested in shaking him down than bringing him back. This has an estimated budget of about $2.5 million was filmed in and around Montreal, Quebec. And a similarly, based on what I read from Paul Lynch, is another movie in his filmography that he had higher hopes for and wasn't well-reviewed and also kind of got a bum rep from, you know, the company that released it. You know, he wanted to make this movie after reading the book it's based on, and I think it was a bit of a letdown for him. But uh, yeah. we're going to talk about mm. this film it, how how do you mm-hmm. want to get into this movie? I think none of us had seen it. No, no, no okay. No. Uh, like barely anyone's seen it apparently yeah. because this has only been ever released on VHS and yeah, and yeah, this is a movie that I got on my radar. I think because we had watched some Paul Lynch stuff and I had been browsing around. I think I saw Hall of Canucksploitation had reviewed it on Letterboxd and there was one other review you could kind of sense on Letterboxd there was a few people had logged it and said this movie is really sleazy and really worth seeking out and so it was kind of on my radar as like this is going to be really fucked up but like it's going to be cool. So I kind of had like my, my, I was like kind of excited about seeing it because I had built it up in my own head. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew nothing about this movie. I'd seen the cover. It's an awesome painting of a woman's body on the horizon of a, of a road. And I couldn't figure out if it was a road trip movie, if it was a horror film, is it a sexual thriller, like what Mm. is it? And it kind of ended up being all of those things. This is definitely horror adjacent thriller territory. We don't, we, we, we kind of have lumped thriller into horror on Hoser Horror. (laughs) That works though. But yeah, this movie for me started so strongly. I felt like the first chunk of this movie really hooked me. Similarly to some of that match cut editing in in Humongous, the way this movie opens with the kind of dialogue overlaid over a murder scene and this woman finds the dead body and she screams and there's this really cool cut to uh based off of her her the audio of her scream i was like really hooked at first did you guys like it at first or i did i think there's the thing with this movie there's definitely a bit of a slump and again much like humongous i think it ghosts on a vibe and if that vibe isn't working for you uh, it, uh, it might fall a little flat but well <laughs> You know, I've been watching like a bunch of like erotic thrillers lately, um, binge watching, uh, binge listening to a lot of like Get Soft, <laughs> which is also on the Companeros network uh-huh. as well. So I've been really getting into that. Mm-hmm. And, and on that level, I, I really, really like this movie, actually, even despite the slump. It just has this like, I don't know, a, a hazy, moody vibe to it that also just reminded me of I don't know, like a bit of an R-rated version of Twin Peaks even. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I'm all about Twin Peaks. And you've got the Richard Bamer link as well. Yeah, I was, I was I was pretty into it, to be honest. That opening scene really blew me away, actually. I I rewound that 
sequence where the maid finds the body. It was incredible. Her scream echoing over Evan, I guess the character getting in his car. And the gargoyles. There's these strange macabre looking gargoyles that that they chose to zoom in on. Hmm. And I thought, well, they guess are they establishing the building as a character? And they were, but, but then it kind of goes away. I, yeah. For a second, because it's such a, a muddy VHS, I, I thought that was a burnt up body the first time it showed. I was like, whoa, what, what happened to that person? And then they kind of show it again later. And I was like, okay, it's like a sculpture. Ugh. Holy crap. Yeah. I, I really, really thought that that opening was like incredibly done. Um, and I agree with Carlo. I think this, movie is one of those movies where you go on a journey with a bunch of unhinged people and I felt like Mm -hmm. there was a it got to a point where my interest sort of went away but then I felt like the movie kind of comes back around into a really ridiculous place at the end of the movie and I was kind of back on board (laughs) absolutely you don't really know what kind of ride you're going to go on or whether or not someone you start to trust is going to reveal themselves as being a piece of garbage (laughs) like i never really knew what to expect from the characters yeah i am used to michael ironside being the sleaziest or the craziest thing about a movie and in this movie he's like not that no no (laughs) no he's not yeah they really worked worked the side plot with him and his wife in the hospital it sort of felt like the like the backstory from visiting hours yeah. where this I felt like there, there was a similar a similar thing going on in that movie with with Michael Ironside and this one he also has like this uh, I guess it's his father in that one that's in the hospital in visiting hours, right? Yeah. Poor Michael Ironside. He cannot escape his previous roles. It's <laughs> like, you're going to be in a movie called Mind Trap yeah. because of <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. scanners. <laughs> this movie is, is very sleazy. Maybe not as much as I had thought. There's definitely a couple pretty notorious scenes in this movie, like we had alluded to earlier, particularly there's some sexual assault stuff that I think maybe doesn't get as kind of interestingly done as the as his other movies, to say the least. Yeah, it felt more like a just a classic sleazoid traumatic rape yeah, scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I really am torn on this one. I want to like it a lot more. Spoiler alert for Cross Country, a movie that people probably hopefully go check it out if you would like to see this because it is worth seeing i think if you like sleazy movies and kind of yeah and it's on youtube yes now now so because i uploaded it (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that reason (laughs) so this is a movie where a guy has a murder pinned on him and he is joined by two kind of maniac kind of characters and they're all sort of uh like wild characters that you don't know what they're going to do and i felt like in the way that the movie gets to its finale where it kind of does some twists and kind of reveals like maybe this person is is more of a maniac (laughs) exactly Uh i felt like to, to some degree at that point i was kind of you know they do bake into the plot a bit about Richard Bamer's character and how he's gone off the deep end and he bought a gun. There's that stuff with that old old kind of man or whatever, right? Like yeah. Michael Ironside's investigating and he finds out how he's off the edge a little bit. But by the end of the movie, I was a little bit like, okay, so like he's not crazy, but he's still 
out there and and it just felt a little bit like a twist that it i didn't really hit because they are all, all they have all already proven themselves to be so unhinged that i was like okay i guess she's also unhinged <laughs> like yeah yeah mm-hmm. i agree the, the twist was definitely like not really shocking more like okay i can see yeah that. sure yeah why not but where that goes to <laughs> hmm. yeah also why do these people keep sticking around each other like i i, I couldn't get a grip on their like dynamic these are all like they don't really like each other like there's some stuff going on between richard Bamer and, and and the girl they're like they've fallen for each other for some reason which is also, I don't know, not really explained. It's, I don't know, like physical attraction, whatever, that's fine. But yeah, like why do they keep sticking together the entire movie? It's just... Yeah, and that made me think that there's something that we don't know. But then I I never really got that in the end. <laughs> like, And Richard hmm. Bamer is kind of like, being super alpha mm-hmm. and you know he's like you're gonna be in this other motel room and I'm gonna go here with the Nina Axelrod character and like I'm gonna shove you around and stuff and and so part of me felt like okay is this a is this a movie about like a guy who has snapped and now he's gonna be the most alpha like gross disgusting toxic version of himself because he has been holding back or something and i kind of got the sense that this being based on a book maybe there's more of that stuff in the book probably very likely yeah like getting into his headspace and stuff instead in the movie it's a little bit just sort of like okay you know like that other dude could have been like no i'll murder you yeah this movie really struck on a lot of the notes that i felt watching tough guys don't dance <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I love that yeah, movie. which is also based on a book yeah yeah, that, that's another movie that, that it's in my canon of movies that remind me of Twin Peaks somehow. Yeah, and there's even a, another movie called White of the Eye. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's which, a really good movie. Oh, man, and especially with this movie ending in the Grand Canyon and White of the Eye taking place in Arizona, I felt like I was suddenly watching a different movie altogether. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like there's these things, again, like with Paul Lynch, where I feel like there's so much going on here that had me really hooked. And then there was other things that had me a little bit let down. But I did kind of think overall that this could be a really good contender for, a you know, a Blu-ray. Like there's I would really like to see this cleaned up because I think there's a Same. lot going on that I'm not mm-hmm. getting maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I said, the vibe really worked for me. I had zero expectations going into it. And there's like the quality of the print as well doesn't do it any favors (laughs) so expectations like at a really low point i'm like okay whatever this is this is going to be better than some other movies we've already covered for hose or but whatever (laughs) um and yeah i don't know i also just really like uh, richard bamer and and this also probably has to do with the fact that i really like twin peaks as well um felt like a day in the life of ben horn i could totally see him (laughs) Get, getting up to things like this because he's a pretty shady guy in that show as well. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I would love a Blu-ray of this. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and I mean, Paul Lynch having kind of, you know, passionate about making this book, I, I think in the interview that I read, um, he described the book as a truly great sick sex story. 
and then took four or five years before he was able to get a script that was written and and people were kind of on board to make it. Um, what I heard had read about my very brief look into the book was that the book's a lot more violent. A lot of the reviews are like, this movie is not nearly as violent as the book, which apparently goes really far in terms of like people getting murdered and like guts and stuff. And I guess they probably had to pull back on that a bit and so some people are like this is a terrible adaptation (laughs) okay maybe maybe the book's more horror than the movie we're covering (laughs) it's possible did he talk about why it was so different in the end no I think uh, the interview that I saw he mostly just talked about that he really liked the book that somebody else had been assigned as a director so it sat around for a while and eventually somebody came to him and said why don't you take this script and, and let's get it made um, and so mm-hmm. they, they put it together and, and eventually it got made. Yeah. And yeah. it had a negative pickup with United Artists. Ah, okay. So uh, I think and then, yeah, they went and they shot it and he, he said there was no problems other than that. But I just think, yeah, maybe it, it didn't go as far as the book needed it to go. But yeah, I don't know. I think it goes far enough. <laughs> like I think it, yeah. it this is true. A, yeah, sle- true. Sleazy is the word that a lot of people use to describe. And it's I didn't need more. <laughs> I know. I think I said, ew. Like <laughs> probably a dozen a dozen times. Yeah, I just think what's missing for me is some of those intentions. Like there's that scene where they bring the other woman back to the hotel room mm-hmm. and have this like kind of wild sort of you know <laughs> party going on there. <laughs> And then out of nowhere, Bamer sort of freaks out and leaves. And I feel like I was missing some of that. Like, obviously, I understand that there's a lot of tension between these characters and there's a lot of like looking at each other while things are happening, going like, I'm doing this, eh? And like, but but I just kind (laughs) of felt like there was a little bit missing in terms of I kind of was left with that scene like, okay, I guess he's pissed off. But, you know, I felt like I wanted a bit more into their head motivation yeah Yeah. like like doesn't he not like her or does he like her i also felt like there was a lot of uh, how do i say this like drug use behavior but but we never saw anyone actually snort cocaine but there Mm -hmm. was some real manic cokey like a behavior at least from john Mm -hmm. they have that kind of like vibe and but you don't get it yeah uh, yeah, yeah, like something's yeah. missing. But it's a movie that opens and closes really strongly. I also really like the soundtrack of this movie, I will say. Yeah, that that's also another reason why I just want a Blu-ray. Like, I want the picture quality to match the audio quality, which is fine for the music. Totally. Yeah, I think totally. this could be really cool, cleaned up. It might increase my appreciation of it just a little more. Yeah, you probably went in with too yeah. high of an expectations as well like building it up for yourself that's that's never really the best idea but it happens <laughs> to all of us <laughs> uh, we didn't talk too much about humongous and its canadian kind of vibe cross country definitely felt you know i think these movies both are about at the same level of aren't explicitly canadian about where they're taking place there's not a lot of talk about it but in terms of you know humongous takes place on an island and it looks very canadian to me yeah mm-hmm. well the thing with cross country though is it starts off in New York and they go on a road trip to California. That's explicitly like set. So it's not going for Canada. Other than that, yeah. Uh, I, f- I feel like Humongous does feel a little bit more regional. I mean, cross country is a road movie as well. So you get less of a sense of location. Yeah, yeah you're right with the New York thing and then Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. it, it very much feels like yeah. we're not in Canada. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was shot in Canada, though, but yeah. they play it off as not Canada. It's like a dirty secret. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of those in the can exploitation. Yeah. We're not really in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's even a scene at a bar where she talks about being from St. Louis. Or, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. This very American feeling to me in that way. But again, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you just know it isn't. <laughs> Like, they really can't hide it. But yeah, a humongous, hands down, definitely more Canadian feeling. The woods, the, yeah, the foliage. I, I used to go to summer camps in the Yukon, and it looked like Lake LaBarge. Yeah, it looked like places <laughs> that I've been at cottages at, for sure. <laughs> cool. So, between Cross Country and Humongous, do we think that either or both of these movies, or none, do we, do we think they fit in the canon of Canadian horror as essentials? Hmm... That's tough. I think Cross Country is one of those more obscure gems that would really benefit from some repackaging, Mm -hmm. some cleaning up. Like you were saying, the Blu-ray would be an amazing way to celebrate that movie. But I wouldn't put it in the canon. I think Humongous arguably does because it isn't the best slasher. But uh, for that time and also, I guess... What slashers were doing at that time was very woods-based, just before dawn happened around 1981. And this is Canada's answer to films like Just Before Dawn and Mm -hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I think it's worthy. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Not the best slasher, but definitely in the top, I'd say, 10 for Canada, for sure. For for Canadian backwoods slashers. For Canadian backwoods (laughs) slashers. I mean, it's it's no Psycho Pike, but... (laughs) Yeah, very few things are. That was the easiest essential we've ever given. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I think when I watched it, I wouldn't have said yes to Humongous being essential. But I think for the vibe that it has, there's not a lot of other Canadian horror movies. I think the only other one that I would say has this kind of regional sort of vibe is the winter, uh, the winter shot uh, Ghost Keeper, oh, which is yeah. similar in sort of tone and, and kind of vibe but in it's more of a winter one and this is almost more of a uh, summer version but I, I think I like an underdog and I think for what Humongous is doing there's not a lot of other movies that have that vibe so I, I think I would put it in essential. Cool. Are you on board Carlo? Yeah what do you think? Are you going to yeah, dissent? I mean whatever you guys say. <laughs> <laughs> like All right. I, I, I'd say they both fall a little bit in the middle like do they fit into the canon of essential or not yeah sure yeah. why not <laughs> yeah I de- if you had asked me when the movie ended I would have said no but I feel like it started to bloom in my mind a little bit yeah I can see that cool so Humongous is in uh, if you are interested in sleazy and so is cross country movies yeah go see cross country <laughs> what the heck <laughs> it's not we don't have a list or anything we're flying by the seat of our pants so no one yeah it doesn't matter <laughs> no one gives a shit <laughs> it's all yeah cool. amazing thank you for joining us oh absolutely thank you so much for having me on i've been excited about this for weeks and always call on me anytime you need a little enthusiasm <laughs> to go along with <laughs> exploitation genre. Yeah. I absolutely love these movies. Yeah, and we we were really excited because both of us are big fans of, of Movie Melt. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we are fans of you. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, check out all of the shows on the Compañeros Podcast Network. Check out Movie Melt. Check out Get Soft. Carlo, I know you are tearing through those episodes. Oh yeah, I've, I've almost listened to all of them in like the span of, I don't know, like 
two weeks maybe. <laughs> Whoa! Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm way obsessed with that show. Just uh, talking with Alistair on Facebook all the time as well. Awesome. Uh, it's probably getting annoyed by, any, by me at this point. <laughs> oh, no. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> he loves it. Yeah. I guarantee you. Okay, wonderful. And don't forget <laughs> to go on Instagram and check out uh, Black Video. That's right. Get that Thank tape. You. Absolutely. Stock's getting a little low, but I still have some. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's a good Sign. That is a good sign. Absolutely. We, we, Carlo and I made a made a cassette tape, and we still got a bunch of those. <laughs> so it's a good one. Stock runs low. That's good. That's good. I should check that out. But otherwise, you can find us at backdashrow.com. Check out the notes from the Back Row podcast. We recently did an episode on the best films of the decade that should have already been released. So you you may or may not have heard that already. But otherwise, check us out there. And we will talk to you next time on Hoser Horror. Goodbye, eh? Goodbye. Au revoir. (laughs) 